Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. And I have to say, I'm very excited to have our next guest, the great Mike Lupica. And this is a real privilege because we haven't had Mike on the show in a couple of years. And I miss speaking to him. I grew up with Mike. I worked for Mike. Um, Mike is an incredible talent, a unique talent. And and I got to ask, Mike, the new book is Grudge Match. And you've been writing the Robert Parker books now for a number of years. But how many books is this now? Jeremy, I, you know, I should know this. I, I think, I think this is my 42nd book. Um, you won't believe me when I tell you that I have a new book for young readers, my middle graders coming out a week from now on, on May 12th. I don't know when we're, when this is going to air. And, um, yeah, Jeremy, first of all, it's nice to be with you. Um, I, you know, I feel like I watched you grow up. I had the high privilege of next to your dad for over a decade on the sports reporters. And I tell people all the time that, that he allowed me to look good on that show. He, he was always the smartest, the funniest. He was always on point and, but he would turn to me and team me up and, and made me look better than I was simply because of how generous he was. And you, you I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And, I'd be driving back to Connecticut when we were still doing the show in in New York City in Times Square. And there would always be a moment where I'd be about halfway up, maybe on the Hutchison Parkway, and think, oh, I should have said that in that moment. But you know who always said that in that moment? Dick Schaap did, okay? And, and it was not for nothing that Dave Anderson once said of him, he was the most talented of all of us. And again, I, uh, I, I, I miss him. I miss him all the time. And yeah, my, my career, especially on television, wouldn't have been remotely the same uh, uh, without him. And, and so whenever I think I'm doing a lot, okay, I think how many books he wrote and everything he did, and it doesn't feel quite as, as uh, immense uh, to me. But I think this is like my 42nd. I think it's my 42nd uh, book. You know what? He would be very upset to hear that because his total was like 33. And that was including <laughs> some anthologies that he just edited, a few books. You know, many of them were, were ghostwritten. You've had a few of those, especially earlier in your career. But he would be very upset to learn that you've surpassed him by <laughs> about 10 books. No, no. You know, the, the truth of it is he'd be pleased. He'd be pleased. And I'll, well, I'll tell you about this because we, we have lots to talk about today. Um, a couple of summers ago, I was up in Vermont, and our daughter, Hannah, she rides. And she was at a show up there, and we had rented a I house. I can't even imagine how much money you have spent on that. I can't even imagine. Yeah, well, no, no, that's why I'll be riding until I die. Okay, so, and now, <laughs> so, so we're, we're, we're up there, and my agent, Esther Newberg, is the, you know, she is the agent for the Robert B. Parker estate. And my buddy Ace Atkins had resumed the Spencer series. This is all Bob's. Bob always knew that after he was gone, he wanted these characters to resume. Okay, so it's a, it's not like somebody hijacked his legacy. And he was a, he was a great friend of mine. 
And so the Spencer novels continued. Uh, a couple, there are two writers who did the Jesse Stone novels, and his westerns have been continued by an author named Robert Knott. And I had actually listened to a Sonny Randall novel on the way up uh, from Connecticut, and I innocently said to Esther, how come nobody's continued Sonny Randall? And she said, you know, I'll, I'll call Ivan Held over at Putnam and, and, and find out. She calls, the, in typical Esther style, she calls me back an hour later, and she said, Ivan wants you to write a sample chapter. And I said, no, 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 no. I wasn't looking for more things to do. I was just curious. And she said, write the sample chapter, Michael, okay? I got up the next morning. This is all true, Jeremy. I got up the next morning, and I wrote about 10 pages that became, is essentially the chapter one in my first Sunny, which is called Blood Feud. And we, we were, we were in, 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 the, in the Robert B. Parker business, in the Sonny Randall business. I, I have to tell you, I have written all the books we just talked about. For two straight books, these are the best reviews I have ever gotten. It has been a labor of love. I first started reading Bob Parker when I was at Boston College. I have probably read all of his mysteries two or three times. What did he write? Did he write 60 of these books? I mean, I know Ed McBain wrote like 100. Did, did Parker write more than Ed McBain? You know what? I, Jeremy, I've got, I've got Blood Feud in my hands now. The uh, uh, grudge match is downstairs. And literally, when you look at the... the uh, it takes two pages, okay? It takes two pages. The Spencer novels are one page. Then the Jesse Stone novels, then Sonny, then the Cole and Hitch Westerns, and then he wrote he wrote some other historical novels. No, it so whenever everybody says, Oh well God, you must be writing all the time, I'll say, you know, take a look at the guy whose character I've been lucky enough and privileged enough to resume. We're speaking with great Mike Lupica. His new book is Grudge Match, a Robert Parker novel. And and as I said earlier, Mike, uh, you know, I've known you my whole life. And um, I was lucky when I was in high school and I was in college. Well, I guess it was college when it started, when I'd I'd go into the sports reporters on Sunday mornings and we we'd grab bagel. And I must have been the only college kid in America who looked forward to getting up at six in the morning on Sundays <laughs> to go yeah, into my father's right. workplace and and listen to you guys. And of course, everything was best in the makeup room and the green room, even better than the show itself. Um but when I think about the scope of the things you've done over the last 40 plus years in this business as a columnist, as a novelist, as a TV personality, as a political columnist for the last several years, um, you know, you, you made the decision a long time ago that you were going to do everything and and, and, and not take a rest and, and be a workaholic like my dad in that vein. What is it like driving yourself so hard all the time? But see, that's the thing. I, first of all, your dad was a great inspiration to me because there was nothing that he didn't think was out of his reach. Okay. And he did want to do everything. You know, I always thought, um, and we're not going to turn this into the Dick Schaap hour, but I always thought that when they wrote the history of ESPN, not nearly enough credit was given to him and the gravitas. He'd laugh if, if he heard me talking about his gravitas, but you know what I'm talking about. He made the place so legit when he came. You know, there were other people doing fine work there, but when Dick Schaap lent his name and his resume to ESPN, I always thought 
that he was one of the game changers there and didn't get enough credit. But I never think of it. I love to write. When, when I go around and talk to kids at schools, and I, since Travel Team and, and came out in 2004, I've spoken at hundreds of schools around the country when, uh, when another book would come out. And I always tell them, listen, you have to support Mr. Lupica because he has no other skills. Okay, <laughs> so you, you know, I always tell them, and they laugh, and I say, if the writing thing goes south, you know, I, I have nothing to fall back on. And, I, I, and and I've been lucky enough to do TV. You know, we were on 28 years oh. on Sunday mornings. Yeah. And and 28 years, Jeremy, nothing runs. When, when people were saying, oh, we're so sorry the sports reporters went off the air. Well, I said, well, first of all, I don't have to get up at 5 o'clock on Sunday mornings anymore. And, and second of all, I use the old Jimmy Breslin line. Thanks for the use of the hall. Nothing runs for 28 years. Nothing. Sports Center, I guess, has run longer than that. But we we had a ball. And now Mitch and Bob and I are, you know, and, uh, lucky enough, we put the band back together and we're doing two podcasts a week. But but when I sit down to write in the morning, and I've never thought of myself, and the same as, 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 as your dad, okay? I've always thought of myself as a writer first. Mm-hmm. The other stuff has been great, okay? But when I shut the door in my writing room and these characters start to come alive, I just think to myself, this is this is everything I thought I could ever hope for when I was working nights at the, you know, I did the, I started out the way you did. I was, I was writing for the school paper. I was working nights at the Boston Globe. I was writing for the Boston Phoenix. I was running as fast as I could, but it never feels like I'm grinding away when when I sit down to write. It's it's the it's the happiest time of my professional day. And so, you know, if I'm writing two hours or three hours, sometimes I'm working on two books at once, and I'm thinking, okay, you're not going to complain because this is all you ever wanted to do. Speaking with Mike Lupica, but but Mike, you know, and and I'm not saying there. Are- there are others who uh, have been multidimensional and have been able to write different formats and different lengths and fiction and nonfiction. Going back to Gallico, but you know, Red Smith was a guy. He was the master of that art form, of which you are also a master. What, how many words is it? Yeah, nine hundred or a thousand. When I do my Sunday column again, I'm doing my Sunday column again for the Daily News. It's about a thousand word lead, and then you know, about five hundred words worth of one-liners. And my father, who idolized him, as many did, you know, he couldn't write a magazine piece, and he didn't write books. That was his thing. You're a master, one of the masters of that form, the column, the sports column. Uh, but but that doesn't define you. Um, when you think about the scope of what you've done, uh, and I, I don't want you to, you know, have to pat yourself on the back. I'll do that. But, you know, did you did you ever did you ever wonder whether you were going to be able to expand out of that uh, that one kind of writing? Well, in the 80s, I had been you know, I had become pretty successful pretty quickly at at the newspaper. You know, I was writing a column in New York at, 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 when I was 23 years old. And and I loved it. I mean, I hit the ground running and for the post. I, I started out with the post. I was there for 14 months, and then um, uh, I, I was at the, uh, uh, the the Daily News. I'll tell you a story. Um, and and I'm, I'm, 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you straight, just because it shows you how random your career could be. And it sounds like self-aggrandizement, but it's really not. So the Daily News was looking for a younger voice to kind of balance off Dick Young, who was getting, you know, kind of set in his ways and more and more cantankerous. One of the great columnists of all time. And so Mike O'Neill happened to be best friends with the great Michael Burke, uh, who, you know, president of the Garden, president of Nick's, had this extraordinary theatrical life. The man who introduced my father to Rayos. That's how I think of him. Well, no, and he was he was great. Tony Kornheiser once said, when he was still in the newspaper business, he said, he, he said, I just call up Michael sometimes just to listen to him talk. OK, because it was he was <laughs> he was a dandy and he was sophisticated and he was funny and he liked me and he liked me. And so O'Neill says, I need a younger columnist. And he laid out what he was looking for. And and Michael Burke said, and I didn't find this out until way later. Michael Burke said, I can give you 10 names who would fit what you're looking for exactly. And, and Burke laughed and, and O'Neill said, what's so funny? He said, but there's this kid at the daily news who's going to be better than all of them. And on his recommendation, I got a column at the daily news. That's, it was that random. I fell out of a tree and landed on my feet. And, and then I decided I wanted to see if I could do what Jimmy had, Jimmy Breslin had done and Pete Hamill, which was parlay doing that into book writing. So Reggie Jackson and I were getting along. He asked me to write his autobiography. And now I got some points on the board. And because I wrote his autobiography, I was given a contract to write my first mystery novel, which I did. It was called Dead Air. It came out in the 80s. And I later turned it into a TV movie. And But my whole plan, Jeremy, when I got to New York, was to do what Jimmy and Pete had done. Write a column and see if you could write books. I didn't have any plan beyond that. And then stuff started to happen. And, uh, and uh, you know, if you look at it, if you really look at it logically, here I am, I'm doing the same old stuff, Jeremy. So it's not like my career is progressing. You know, I'm just I'm sort of, Hey, in in, in this business, as you know, if you get to keep doing it, that is the win. Yeah, no, it's, again, I had the best role models. Your dad, Jimmy Breslin, Pete Hamill is still a dear friend of mine. There's a guy, another guy, you just pick up the phone and and you just want to hear him talk because he's such a, he's such a, he's a brilliant talent and he's a good soul. You know, he's going to be 85 years old in June and he's just back living in Brooklyn, still writing a, he's writing a book about moving back to Brooklyn. So again, he's not on Horatio street anymore. He moved, he moved out of the West village. Yeah. He's, he's back in Brooklyn. He and Fukiko, we had a great um, uh, tribute to him about a year and a half ago. And so I had the best possible role models. Red Smith was so nice to me when I was starting out and, and again, last summer, you know, you know, a lot of stuff had happened at the daily news and, I kind of miss writing my Sunday column, and so I'm back writing the Sunday column and writing a couple of baseball columns a week uh, for MLB.com, and I, I get to write my books. I, I, you know, I, there's very little I would change about my career, and and there's very little I would change about those Sunday mornings uh, with the sports reporters, with with your dad, and and for, and then John Saunders. Oh my goodness, what a good person he was, and. And then, you know, I was lucky enough to host it for a while before we finally went off the air. The great Mike Lupica, uh, 
It's been good catching up, Mike. No, Jeremy, Jeremy, and you you know how happy I am for your success. You know how happy you your dad would be and uh, we we'd need to we need to do this more often we, we call me back we'll talk about the last dance or yeah I, 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 i'd I, love I, to do that and and uh it's again it's the the, the parker books are really fun if it's you know it's tough to be saying to people right now oh please go out and buy my book but you know what Reading doesn't go out of style, so I I, I I heartily encourage people to find their local independent bookseller. How would you know? You don't have time to read. You're too busy writing. That's what my dad used to say. <laughs> he was he wasn't very well read because there was no time. <laughs> he had to spend all his free time writing. I love the Shap family. Always have, always will. Love you, Mike. Okay, Jeremy. It's so good to talk to you. I'm Jeremy Shap. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.